This is the moment. A new start. Now the UK has left the EU. Time for us to get going. To seize new opportunities as we transition to our new relationship. Get moving. It's on our hands now. So we've got to get started. Truck drivers. Tech entrepreneurs. Engineers. Fishermen. Farmers. Lawyers. Makers. Holiday makers. Creators. Big business. Small business. Travelling for business. We all need to plan ahead. Check the guidance. Make the changes. And let's get going. Sign up now at gov.uk slash transition and check, change, go for the UK's new start. Hey everybody and welcome back to season four of Absolute Clarity, your number one travel management podcast brought to you by Clarity, your business travel experts. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Daniels, joined by Pat McDonough, Clarity CEO. Hi, Kyle. I actually pointed then as if you were in the room with me, but clearly you're not because we're still doing this remotely. Uh, but thanks for joining us again, Pat. And today we've got a special guest. We've got Anna Doran from Avanti West Coast. Now you are, is it the Sales Distribution Director? Yeah, right? Sales Distribution Director, Kyle. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, virtually meet you anyway. Um, exactly. So how are you doing, Anna? I'm good, I'm good. Like you said, it would be great to be doing this in person, but I think we're all learning to adapt, aren't we, in these strange times? Yeah, definitely is new normal. So let's give people a bit of a, a background into kind of who you are and what you do at Avanti West Coast. No problem. So I'm Anna Doran, and um, I'm the Sales and Distribution Director for Avanti, formerly Virgin Trains, as some people will still know us. Um, I've been around in the industry a long time. I think this is my 27th year. I started working in frontline customer service and done lots of different things. I've actually been working with in the travel industry, specifically the, working with partners like the TMCs, for about 10 years now. So um, I know Pat well um, and um, work, work quite closely with him and BTA colleagues. I won't ask you who your favourite TMC is. I don't want to obviously uh, embarrass you. It's obviously. Yeah, it's obviously. <laughs> so let's get into it. The pandemic obviously has affected everybody and we know that it's affected trains. So can you talk us through the early stages of when you guys first knew about it and what you were doing to kind of get yourselves ready for it? Yeah, so I think for me on a personal level, I went to Paris in February at half term, sort of mid-February, and it really felt like it was getting quite close to home then. Cases were in Europe, but probably not yet in the UK. And then very quickly, obviously, we realised that, that the pandemic had reached the UK. And I think we also realised quite quickly that rail was going to be a key part of keeping key workers moving. So unlike some other modes of transport, we've never stopped. So we are a long distance operator rather than a commuter talk. But actually, from our perspective, we've been running trains all the way through a reduced timetable initially. Um, that timetable stepped up quite, quite considerably now. But yeah, we've um, very quickly got into the mode of, right, what do we need to do? How do we keep our people safe? How do we keep our customers safe? And how do we keep key workers moving? And have you been working right the way through this pandemic, you personally? I have, yes. So everybody at Avanti has been working. I mean, we've had 
obviously left people on board our trains and at our stations to ensure that we could comply with social distancing. And instead of us all being in our head office in either Birmingham or London, I have been sat up in sunny Wigan for the past few months um, where I live. So, um, yes, we, we've all been working, but actually really, really busy because we had to make sure that we quickly introduce social distancing measures on board, that we introduce social distancing measures on stations, that we increased our cleaning regime, um, that we ensured all our people have the right protective equipment. So, yeah, it's been a really, really busy time. And how do you manage to enforce that social distancing on the trains themselves? What have you been doing with that? From our perspective, initially, uh, we introduced the two-metre social distancing. And at that point... I'd probably say our capacity on board the train went down to about 13, 14%. So we would, we would actually literally have seats within the carriage that were, people were allowed to sit in. And then obviously the majority of seats were needed to be left vacant. Uh, we've put signage on stations. We've actually put markers down on platforms to ensure that when people are boarding trains, the remaining the, the required level apart. We've actually moved to one metre now um, and that has increased capacity to about 40%, just under 40% that now gives up. But yeah, we I mean, we've got a lot of capacity for what the customers need because obviously there's not a lot of people travelling, although that is starting to step up. But right at the beginning, it was just about keeping key workers safe. Everybody was told only to travel by public transport if they absolutely had to. Thankfully, that message has now changed to, to make sure you travel safely. But yeah, we were, we were fully focused on ensuring that, that customers were able to travel if they had to, but do it in a safe way. So Anna, if we think about the customer feedback and so on during that time, how, how's that been? How have customers reacted to those changes and the way you've handled it? I mean, we've, we've actually had really good customer feedback. I mean, we, we've had people initially quite concerned and unclear how to get refunds and how to do that. But actually, as an industry, through the rail delivery group who, who act on behalf of all train companies, we've really pulled together. And actually, we've had lots of really positive feedback about how rail has been very consistent um, so all of the train operating companies are currently working under an EMA um, for the government um, an emergency measures agreement and that has allowed us all to be very consistent and act very consistently so we've all taken the same approach on refunds or change of journey or social distancing measures so it has actually meant from a customer's perspective they've understood what the experience was going to be. And we have had very positive feedback on the back of that. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And we, we discussed it, haven't we, when, um, we, so as uh, through the BTA, uh, we've had conversations, big groups of us. And, and one thing that does shine through is that rail has been able to be consistent in the application of standards, to be clear on the communication of those when perhaps other industries like the hotel industry and and the the aviation industry have struggled to find that consistency. Why why do you think that's the case for you and maybe not for those other industries? 
Um, I think I think you're absolutely right in what you're saying, and we have had lots of conversations. We work quite closely together, don't we, on as part of the ETA um, supplier and members board. And I think, from our perspective, the government's stepping in right at the beginning um, and saying, "Look, train operating companies, you need to continue to run a service. We will we will work with you to support you doing that." And actually, you've got RDG there as a governing body who've actually introduced the Safe Travels Pledge, which is all about social distancing, it's all about cleaning, it's all about the quality of information to customers. All of that combined has led to a consistent experience. I mean, I feel really feel for our colleagues in the hotel and airline district. Um, industry because we've actually had real challenges there and I know we've talked within the BTA haven't we about how can we get one clear set of standards so that customers know what they're going to get when they do return to business travel. Yeah it certainly has been challenging that we we've got our own hotel accreditation now clarity and um and that's really about understanding who's met a minimum set of standards and with air uh what we're able to expose to to the the customer is the the measures that that airline is taking itself so not yeah. particularly a standard but we're able to say okay so this airline is requiring the the wearing of ppe uh, there may or may not be social distancing. This is the ticketing policy, etc. But it's very much a case more with those industries about understanding for that particular airline or hotel group what their policies are and whether or not you're comfortable with them as opposed to it being very consistent. But even within the train operating companies, I guess it can be more or less difficult if you're a long-distance train operator like yourselves. The, I guess the ability to maintain social distancing is maybe easier than it would be for a commuter talk at peak times of the day, let's say. Absolutely. I think I think just coming back to your point about hotels and airlines, I think that just is the vital role that TMCs play in the whole end-to-end experience for the business traveller. You know, it's no good us communicating just the rail element of it if actually the business trip involves a hotel stay or end-to-end transport to and from the station. So I think actually it's about the role TMCs play in giving that confidence for all elements of the business travel experience. But in terms of train companies, you're 100% right. You know, we find ourselves all almost being being put into the same category and, and actually long distance operators like ourselves, like Great Western, like um, LNER, are very, very different to the commuter talks. Um, but actually, and that was really, I suppose, for us, quite a challenge. Um, a few weeks ago before the message moved to safe travels, because actually we had loads of capacity. We were running all these trains. Quite frankly, you know, they were they were very, very empty. Um, they are starting to slowly get a little bit busier, but we have still got a lot of capacity. Um, I understand why the message needed to be simple and clear for the travelling public. But actually, long distance operators have got far more opportunity to manage demand, to get customers to book in advance, to get them to reserve a seat, to, to get them to, where possible, um, choose digital tickets as a fulfillment method. So all of those messages put us into a, a, a much, 
I suppose, stronger position to be able to manage social distancing than maybe, as you say, some of the London commuter talks in the peak. Um, although I know that they have all put their own measures in place to protect both the customers and the people. Yeah, I mean, certainly if I was to think about the prospects of getting the train from Cheadle Hume into Manchester uh, to, to go into the office versus the prospect of getting the train from Stockport to, to Euston, I would choose the second every time over the first because the first historically has never been a good experience. And frankly, you know, I don't particularly uh, trust that experience to, to stand up to demand, if that makes sense when people do start to return to the offices in number. The West Coast, you know, I'm pretty sure it will work very well because uh, it has done historically. And there is just more capacity there in terms of space on on any one particular train, isn't there? But it, it's a, quite a, a big difference between the two. And, uh, and I suppose it is difficult to balance. You mentioned there digital ticketing. And I feel like this is actually a watershed moment in the use of digital ticketing because... It's a bit like uh, contactless payments using your phones. Everybody's doing it daily now and have been since the beginning of the pandemic, where actually only the more tech savvy would do it before then. Do you feel like we're reaching that point where we're going to get mass adoption of digital ticketing as a consequence? I completely agree. I think from my perspective, you know, it's everything. People want to be in control, don't they, of all elements of the experience. And actually fulfilling to a digital ticket gives the traveller that further control. We, on our own direct channels, just as an example, we're now up to over 80% adoption of digital tickets. So a customer who books through our own website, they, they would typically be choosing digital tickets. And I'm sure for business travellers booking um, using yourselves and other TMCs, they absolutely want that. So I, I agree. I think we've never had a better time to uh, help customers adopt tickets. They aren't available absolutely everywhere. There, were, there is still more work to do with RDG to ensure that journeys work which involve a through London trip or, or, or certain routes are completely connected. But absolutely, I think from, from our perspective, wherever a customer can book a digital ticket and that is options available, uh, we are seeing that they are definitely taking it up. It, it's just, you, you talked about a contactless payment, you know, for us at our stations and on board our trains, we've gone cashless um, as a further um, measure to protect our people and, and our customers. So actually, will there be a time when we return to cash on board trains? I'm not too sure. I don't know whether the customers actually want that anymore. But all these elements where we're putting control in the hands of the traveller can only be a good thing to actually restore confidence, which is what we all need to do. We need to show people that it's safe to travel and give them the confidence to start travelling again for business. Oh, most definitely. And I think also as well, if we go back to the ticket um, issue, you know, uh, seeing the the end or or, or certainly a, a fast reduction in the use of those uh, ticket machines at the station would be great because that's a frustrating moment for most travellers where you've got to queue up and, and collect your ticket uh, if you're doing a ticket on departure. And then the, the other one is that many of our clients have um, uh, those uh, desktop ticket printers, the old Newbury things, uh, which, which yeah. churn out the, the paper cards. 
I'm sure everybody would like to see the end of those and and the use of digital ticketing. So that's something we've been big supporters of. You you can now access any any digital ticketing option available through our booking tool and and into our itinerary app. Um, it does just make that traveller experience so much better because there's your ticket. It's on your phone. It's it's catching up with the airlines really because they they probably achieved this uh, some five or ten years ago on mass, didn't they? Absolutely, I, th- I think we have in rail been a few years behind uh, the airline industry. But you're right; um, it, it it makes everything so much simpler. It makes making changes to the to the journey simpler. It makes requesting refunds simpler. It's the whole process. I mean, in terms of the ticket machines at stations. Uh, we have been, we we do appreciate that for some customers they still want to use those. Um, we have actually reduced the number that are op- are open and available right now because we want to maintain the one meter social distancing. We've increased cleaning of them, so you will see people there cleaning the screens, wiping down the touch pads. Um, so for one for customers who have to use the TBMs. Please rest assured we are taking measures to, to ensure that they are kept clean and the social distancing is in place. But there is no substitute for choosing a digital ticket right now. There has been investment in tech, hasn't there, Anna? I mean, you've just introduced the Track My Train functionality. So I think yeah. that's getting on board. You can log into the free Wi-Fi and then you can actually track the train that you're on the journey yes that's right so i think i think there's, there's enhancements in, in in digital and tech all the time aren't there and and actually from our perspective this has never been more important to make sure that the customer's got all the information that they need so they know if the trains are running on time they know about connections that they've got all that instantly available at their fingertips so lots of progress in the tech environment working alongside partners to, to make sure it meets the needs of the customers i'm going to be getting the train this Thursday, I'm actually going to be getting an Avanti train. I'm doing the old Stockport to Manchester route. Is there anything that I need to be aware of before doing something like that in terms of being able to get a seat on the train, probably first and foremost? I guess from our perspective, that's quite a short journey, Stockport into Manchester. But from our perspective, we're not allowing customers to stand on train. So we are advising customers to reserve a seat. Um, if I maybe talk about my experience, so last week I took a trip up to Glasgow. Um, I wanted to see for myself exactly all the, the, the measures that we've put in place to ensure people can travel safely. Um, when I got to the station, all our people were wearing masks. There was lots of signage and announcements to tell customers to maintain social distancing and wear a mask. A mask is compulsory now um, on board trains. Um, so... We, we had customers and our people adhering to, to those guidelines. Um, there are markers on the platform telling people where to stand. So I would uh, so, so that again ensures that you are spread out on the platform. So I'd make sure I looked out for those. Um, once on board the train, um, it's 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 obviously if you've booked a seat, you sit in your reserved seat. Um, it's quite clear um, which seats are able to be sat in and which ones you shouldn't be sitting in um there is there's cleaners walking up and down the train our train managers are, are, are about and present if you need to go to the shop we've installed safety screens and um, they are cashless um but, but we have um installed safety screens so so the shops are open and i think even then at the destination again we, we've ensured that the um departure from the 
platform um, into the main station. We're, we're putting social distancing measures in to just manage that operation. I think for me, going to Glasgow, um, I wanted to do it for myself because, you know, as a sales and distribution director, my job is to encourage others to travel. So I need to walk the talk. Um, and actually, I was completely and utterly impressed by everything that we've done um, and, and all the measures that we've put in place. And actually, customers were following the guidelines. I can honestly say that customers were spreading out. They were respecting each other's personal space. They were all wearing masks. It felt a very, very safe experience. Um, and I think it's about us all playing our part in making sure that that happens. And one thing I did want to mention, actually, um, is, is we're in the process of doing it, but actually there's a treatment of, called Zuno Misting that we're carrying out on all of our trains. Um, all of our Pendolino fleet will be um, completed by the middle of August, and it's actually it's an antibacterial misting spray that we, we do throughout the entire train, and it lasts for over a month, and we'll be repeating that process mm-hmm. every 30 days. So that's just a further step um, to just reassure customers and, and, and help customers with this. It is safe to travel, come back and travel, come to back and travel with us for for business or leisure. So that's do no misting is actually a really great step in, in kind of, again, making sure the trains are as absolutely clean as we possibly can make them. I, I, I need that for my house. it's certainly not not like that at my house having spent the last three months at home with the kids put it that way (laughs) maybe it replaces the fake tan maybe that's the new thing we all need to be sprayed with moving forward the mist (laughs) it's actually fascinating that apparently even if any any of the bacteria or the viruses land on surfaces after this treatments happened they can't remain on the surface so the surface remains protected even if there are any bacteria or viruses brought onto the train so it's almost like a film that's put over everything it it sounds absolutely fantastic so uh, we're really excited to get that across all Mm -hmm. the fleet I like the sound of that. This, the one thing I've missed in particular is those breakfasts uh, in in first class. I'm very lucky that, that <laughs> I got the uh, the opportunity to travel first class. But I take it the the catering's back on, is it, or is it more it's, limited? It's, um, so it's actually it's going to be slightly different. We're working on on all the detail of that now, but. Sort of from the second week in August. So in a couple of weeks' time, the first class at-seat service will be back on board. First class lounges have reopened. Um, as I say, the shop's been open all the way through. But yes, complimentary first class service will be returning in the next couple of weeks at, for, as an at-seat offer. Um, it might be slightly different to what people have been used to previously but we're working through the finer details of that and obviously can share them with you as soon as that's finalized so that leads us to an interesting point actually realistically we won't be traveling first class anytime soon <laughs> which uh, is obviously a, a necessary measure because we've, we've got to cut our cloth but do you think because there are going to be many businesses and travelers in a similar position where budgets are challenged for for the foreseeable future that 
there might be a need for train operators like yourselves to to revise those capacities and maybe adjust things and and look at different offerings there, Anna? 100%. I think I think we've got to evolve and respond to the new normal, haven't we, and the world we find ourselves in post-COVID. I think the first job is to get people travelling again. We've actually got lots of capacity. So in the very short term, um, I haven't got a concern that actually there won't be enough capacity in the in the type of class that people want to travel in um, to be able to accommodate everyone. But 100% part, I think we're, we're in uncharted territory, aren't we? And we all need to evolve and be flexible and respond to what our customers are saying they want. So whether that's a different type of first class or whether that's less first class or whether that's even a different class altogether, all of those elements of, are in the melting pot at the moment and, and, and watch this space because we are considering a number of different options in terms of how do we ensure that going forward we're, we're actually giving customers the product that they want um, that's right for them and right for right for the, their changing needs because you know we, we've talked about it you, you've been working from home I have I, I'm normally based in London as I said I live up in Wigan um, and I normally go to London three days a week um, one of the things that has been great there's not been many things that have been great about this this awful experience but one of the things that has been great is the extra time that I've had at home and, and that the you know, not doing all that commuting has, has been a real benefit to my work-life balance. So I think we, we all would be crazy not to expect a change to people's travel behaviour and working patterns. And, you know, I don't think people will travel as much. I actually can't wait to get back into the office, if I'm totally honest, and I'm, taking, I'm going down to London to our head office for a couple of days next week. But actually, I think it'll be far more of a balance between spending time working from home and spending time in offices going forward. Yeah, I think we've got the view that that, that time you do spend travelling will be more heavily scrutinised, that you need to maximise the value of that time that you spend in traveling. So perhaps where people would have just done it almost automatically, uh, like you say, you'd, you'd be down there three days a week. I'm sure there were times when you'd be there and you'd think, what am I doing here today? I, you know, I, yeah. I could be doing this at home. Yeah. And I think that becomes a, a major feature moving forward where the return on that investment has to be justified. So we may travel less we will certainly make sure that we're clear on the reasons for that travel. We may travel better at times because it's it's an investment rather than a all about the cost. And I think you know, in the immediate future, we're all going to travel more carefully. That in itself is obvious, but it does present potentially a, a big challenge for any train operator, franchise holder moving forward that. The railway industry is going to take some time to recover from this, like the rest of the travel industry. And I guess for Avanti as a, a relatively new franchisee, it's not really what the plan was, is it? 100%. No, I mean, I don't think anybody would have envisaged a new franchise starting at the beginning of December and then by the middle of March we were in this global pandemic. I, th I think a couple of points on, on what you've just said. I think it's really interesting about actually how you get the most out of the travel and you make that count. And actually, 
as long as it's seen as value for money and it is affordable, you know, that might be a time when people think, I actually want to travel first class. You know, we talked earlier about maybe, it, it, you know, will there be any first class demand and actually will it all be standard? But actually, you know, there, there could be an argument to say when people are travelling, they want to ensure it's real value for money and, and they, you know, perhaps see, see first class as having those added benefits for them. So I think I think that will be an interesting dynamic at play. Definitely. There you go, Pat. Let me travel first class. I'm sure I just heard him say that he wasn't just going to be looking at costs going forward, didn't he? Did you hear that, Kyle? That's what I heard, yes. Yeah. So I just heard if it, if you need to travel, get the best value. Exactly. <laughs> and it seems at first class is the, the way. So thanks, Pat. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> so just wrapping up, we, we have asked everybody that's come on the podcast just to give us just something that they've learned about themselves, whether it be personal or their business during this pandemic and obviously coming out the other side of it. So what is something that you've learned about yourself, Anna? I've learned that I'm a really rubbish teacher. And I've got far less patience than I thought I had. Um, I found myself, I've got um, an 11-year-old who's actually going to high school in September. Um, and honest to God, the, the, um, the level of the maths and the equations and the ge- geometry that he's doing, I have got no clue what he's on about. I'm constantly looking at Google. Um, he was meant to be one of this year that, that went back, so I was really hopeful that he would have had at least a few weeks in school before that big step to high school. Unfortunately, his small school in the village couldn't accommodate them, so my son's literally been here since um, the beginning of March. So, yeah, I've definitely... Um, I've learned that I'm a, a terrible school teacher. I've also learned actually I'm a better cook than I thought I was. Um, I've actually I've started to get quite into cooking and baking just because I've had the time that I would never have had. Um, and I've also got um, far more wine delivery orders arriving at my front door than um, than I was expecting at the start of lockdown. So that's been definitely a way I got through it. <laughs> That's great. Anna, thank you so much for giving us your time today. We really appreciate that. And best luck with everything with Avanti going forward. Really enjoyed it. Cheers, Anna. See you later. Bye. I've been your host, Kyle Daniels. Thanks to Anna and Pat, and we will see you next time on Absolute Clarity. Thank you. Thank you.